it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, I, I think we should go for full disclosure here. We we normally record this show uh, on a Wednesday evening to go out on Thursday morning, but both Palace and Brighton are at home on, on Tuesday evening, and neither of us wanted to take the risk of one of us being really grumpy on Wednesday during the record. Uh, chances of both of us being really chipper seem remote so we thought let's do it on a Monday so we're both in a good mood and we don't start laughing at each other or pointing fingers I think we're in unanimous agreement on that Kieran won't we? <laughs> we, we are certainly yeah I, I've got I've got 23 rail tickets to get me from Liverpool to Brighton uh, on Tuesday and then coming back up afterwards uh, because the rail system's just such a mess well, I mean, Uncle Terry used to carry several railway tickets with him at any one time, but 23 rail tickets. What time have you got to leave Liverpool then? Uh, I'm I'm, li- I'm leaving Liverpool on the quarter to three and then going, God knows, you, you have to split your ticket. So I have to go from Liverpool to Stafford and then Stafford to um, Crewe. And then, you know, it's one of the some, some lunatic. No, uh, see, to, to, that, that's to keep it under a ton yeah, in terms yeah. of rail fare. You see, I go for the other option and just go ass on it. I'll get that and pay it back on a credit card later. Um, you should be all right time-wise because I reckon it will probably be 35-odd minutes until you stop passing the ball about from kickoff. You'll be fine, I reckon. You won't, <laughs> you won't miss much. Um, news stories, Kieran, there are, there are quite a few of them. Let's hope nothing massive happens on Tuesday because we won't be able to cover it. Um, big news coming out from one of the big Italian clubs. Yes, um, and I think this is indicative of just how big football and finance is these days. Because this this story was uh, this story was revealed by the Financial Times, yeah. who you would think might have some other economic stories to keep themselves occupied at present. But um, it, it's come through that uh, that the people who organised the sale of Chelsea and the the specialist uh, American bank Rain. Um, it looks like they've been given the nod to try to find a buyer. And, and the reason for this is that uh, Inter are presently owned by uh, the, the Chinese electronics retailer, Su Ning. And they, they did this in 2016. Now, in 2016, the, the Chinese government was very keen on overseas expansion as far as football was concerned, uh, I think with a view to 
trying to get greater experience um, of the game with a view to perhaps applying to host the World Cup in 2030. And the Chinese government then decided to um, reconsider that, that option. And it, it, it persuaded people to say, well, perhaps this isn't such a good idea after all. We ought to be focusing on different things. Along comes COVID and China is taking a much more uh, a much more guarded approach to the spread of COVID than, than we are doing here back in the UK. Um, and that means that people have, have stopped going uh, to the shops. So Suning, which is sort of a, a retail store, ha- has been hit. Um, everybody's gone online to do their shopping. And as a consequence, uh, I, I think they're looking to divest into and, and try to find uh, a buyer. And, and there will be plenty of people um, around. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen the, this huge number of American investors certainly come into the Premier League and also the Championship. Um, but that, that's where we are. So um, you know, is it an attractive club? Well, it, it's into Milan, you know, to you and me. So we would count it as a massive club. But last year they lost 140 million euro um yeah thing numbers like that with with limited growth uh, i think in terms of uh, syria uh with regards to the, the the global tv deals it's not like the premier league where you know the premier league is is incredible in the sense that it goes out to yeah about 198 different countries whereas uh the, the italian uh matches tend to have a smaller a smaller viewing figures Two questions off the back of that, Kerr. I mean, what sort of price would you be looking at? And presumably, it seems mainly American investors at the moment who want to get into European football would probably be waiting for another Premier League club, wouldn't they, for all the reasons that you've talked about? Yes, and and my understanding um, is that there are two Premier League clubs that are presently up for offer, um, one of whom might have a Chinese owner and another one might have a uh, another Asian owner. So um, I, I, I think I'll let people work out those particular mm. clubs. But in terms of the price, um, AC Milan went for, I think it was around about 1.2 bill. So into, yeah, they, they be, won't be too far away. You know, both clubs are, are pretty, pretty significant as far as Italian football and sort of global footprint is concerned. Um, so it, it is it is a significant amount of money, but if you are a billionaire, then it, it's perfectly uh, perfectly within their their remit to be able to to buy the club. Whether they're going to borrow money, whether they'll want to borrow money in in the uh, present economic environment in which interest rates have gone up, we'll have to wait and see. I think the Financial Times might be having a few more football stories tomorrow. That it's going to be quieter than they thought. I, I, I tuned in for for Jeremy Hunt's statement. This afternoon and the ensuing questions, expecting a bear pit, and all we got was unfailingly polite and intelligent questions. It's exactly how it should be, but it took a bit of getting used to. <laughs> yes. To the extent, the extent I thought after a while, this is not kicking off the way I hoped. I, I might go back to Classic FM. Um, the, the Premier League here, and apart from really trying to annoy us, they are determined to get some extra games on the board by or by, or by crook at some stage in the calendar year, aren't they? Yes, so this is a story from uh, David Ornstein in the Ornstein, Ornstein in the Athletic, and he's normally a bloke with a finger on the pulse. Mm. Um, 
So uh, it's been described as a, a pre-season meaningful competition taking place in the USA. Now, how many Premier League clubs would be involved? I think we'd be looking at least four, perhaps six. There could be some MLS clubs joining in as well. Um, you know, I, I think from the perspective of fans here, it will be sort of a glorified community community shield if it does take place. Um, what the reaction of the the bigger clubs will be, however, is I'm, I'm not quite so certain about this because Manchester United already make around about fifteen million pounds a year from pre-season friendlies and they go out and they target specific markets and you know that could be Asia Australia could be the Middle East could be could be the US um and yeah, they tend to be the biggest fish in the pond so if this is going to be sort of a, a Premier League sanctioned competition um are they going to have their arms twisted to to join it or is it going to be on some form of rotation basis that you know, there'll be six clubs going into this competition each year. Uh, I mean, this was the type of thing which was being suggested in uh, Project Big Picture, for example. Um, and it does sort of tie in, I think, with what some of the new owners in football want to see is that they, they don't want matches taking place in stadiums full of season ticket holders because season ticket holders, they're, you, can't, you can't empty their wallets to the same extent as you can for a, a you know a, a, a more casual well, not mean casual in terms of level of support they they might they might you know, be very devoted but you know the type of fan that's only going to see a uh, one of these big clubs you know once every every few years um, so therefore you can charge top dollar in terms of ticket prices the merchandise will flow as as it as it will be there will be potential some decent. Uh, decent TV viewing figures and it could be that the clubs are able to start streaming the matches themselves so this all sort of ties in to I think where owners are looking to see football go Yeah, a a friend of mine Ash, who I mentioned before, who runs the off-licence down the road Oh yeah, uh, he went to. He's a massive man, he he loves English football, he's from Ethiopia but he loves English football full start, he's obsessed with it, very knowledgeable about it he likes Palace, he's been there a couple of times but he, he went to Old Trafford yesterday. He's a Man United fan. And he took a friend to Old Trafford. Only his second visit ever, I think. And, of course, I missed him. I was I was pining make it to, for him to get back safely. I didn't want anything to happen to the off-licence. Look um, grief. And, and I, I, I saw him about half past nine last night, walking past my window with armfuls of, of merchandise, several Man United fans. They're, they're the fans you're talking about, the ones that go up once or twice a year who are huge fans but can't afford a season ticket or live away and they're the ones who buy the merch I, I was interested in the term meaningful in David Ornstein's article because as you say Man United make a considerable amount of money pre-season Spurs going to South Korea will probably be an annual event that makes them a massive amount of money so you you wonder whether you're going to end up with clubs like Palace and, and, and Brighton in these things but it's the meaningful I, don't, I, I can't for the life of me work out how this pre-season tournament can be meaningful in any way except in terms of making money, and unless it's a practice for a Super League. I just don't know. I was intrigued by that phrase, Kieran. Yes, yeah, that was the the word. If, if there's a trophy for it, it's a bit like, you know, school, school sports day. Um, and 
everybody gets a medal, at, which which is great. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for inclusivity, and, and you know, we're all slightly different athletes to one another. But um, it's forgotten about pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I, I, nobody tends to remember who won the Community Shield. Um, nobody tends to want, care who won the Audi Cup or the Asia Cup or this, that, and the other. Um, so you're absolutely right. Apart from a financial benefit, uh, you know, um, unless the Premier League is going to try to extract an extra, uh, you know, Europa Conference place or or something like that. But even so, that will be too late in the season. Uh, yeah, because if, if this tournament is taking place in July, stroke August. I, I can't see UEFA going along with that. But we, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, ultimately, you know, the, the Premier League uh, is up to them, I guess, to decide how some of the European places are awarded. And, it, and if it comes to a vote uh, of clubs, then we, we could see some changes. But whether that will also be approved of by UEFA is another matter. Kieran, trust me, if Palace were to take part in a pre-season tournament in America, which involved playing Leeds Reserves and an MLS under-12 team, and we won, there would be an open top bus parade around Croydon, trust me. <laughs> Any, anything remotely silver with a bit of wood at the bottom of it would be would be most welcome. We, we have three stories in a row now, Kieran, and unfortunately, it breaks my heart to say none of them are good uh, to a greater or lesser degree. The, the first one involves a club that we like a lot and have been in the news lately who have been given a points deduction, but it's been suspended. Yes. So um, this is uh, Rochdale. Um, and this is to do with the attempted takeover um, of Rochdale by Morton House MGT, um, which was a company which had a few strange connections with people who we sort of raised eyebrows about at other clubs. Um, so uh, under the EFL rules, if uh, if shareholders or if, if potential shareholders acquire more than 30%, then they have to satisfy the owners and directors test. Now, what appears to be the case at uh, uh, Rochdale was that uh, this, this organisation, Morton House MGT, they, they did acquire... Uh, more than 30%. I think it ended up with 43. Um, but they hadn't applied for the, the owners and directors test. And then things started to get a little bit uh, tetchy because uh, Oldham fans pride themselves on uh, being effectively a cooperatively owned Rochdale. football club. And they've never had a controlling party. And Morton House said, well, we're, we're going we're to try to hoover up as many shares as we can. Once we get to 51%, we've effectively got control of the club and Yabu and sucks, we can do what we want to. Um, the club started to fight back. And I think some of the fans spoke to some of the significant remaining shareholders saying, Come on, guys. Yeah, this is Rochdale. You, you, you love the club for the same reason that we do. Please don't sell. And those those shareholders decided not to sell. Then there was there was a general fallout. Um, but the EFL, which to be fair to the EFL, it has it has tightened up the rules to prevent another Steve Dale. Said, look, we brought through these rules, but it looks as if the club 
hasn't tried, hasn't applied the rules. As soon as you were aware of somebody getting close to 30%, then you really should have got in contact with us. And we would have then gone through the, the appropriate procedure to ensure that the any prospective owners were, were deemed to be fit and proper. Um, and you know, somebody hasn't necessarily done that. So what we have is that if, the trouble is we talk about a football club, but a football club does not make decisions. It's people who make decisions. Um, but in order to be able to have a, get through to the people, you have to charge the club. So so the club has been charged um, and it has been deemed in, in breach of these rules and has been given a this two-year suspended sentence, which shouldn't really come into crystallisation, you know, pr- provided there's no further issues with regards to the ownership. But I think what's also interesting is that in addition to that, um, three people have been given bans by the EFL in terms of having involvement. So one of those people is David Bottomley, who's the former chief executive of Rochdale. Um, I think it's fair to say from, from talking to uh, you know, people such as my friend the Prowler, who who is a who is a Dale fan. Uh, he, he was he, he, he was texting me throughout this, and I think it's fair to say, uh, not necessarily a fan of David Bottomley, and yeah. that did appear to be uh, in line with quite a few other fans as well. Um, there, but there's also a guy called Andrew Curran who's been given a ban. Um, I think it's fair to say that Andrew Curran's uh, footballing rap sheet is. Uh, colourful. So in in January, he was given a 63 ban, which is what you know, a nine-week ban from football by the Football Association itself. And the reason for this was um, he did have a meeting with the, the Rochdale board or the Rochdale, some of the Rochdale supporters, and the, the meeting didn't go well. Um, you know, he was described as bombastic. Uh, he then started to uh, make some homophobic comments about the people at Rochdale. Um, you know, I think he accused them of being Nancy boys. And you know, for me, yeah, for, as, as a placebo fan, Nancy Boy is a fantastic single, and that's about as far as it goes. But it's not the type of language you'd use. And also, if you see yourself as the the owner of a football club, then then you've you've got to act in a more appropriate and professional manner. Um, so he was given a ban. He was sent on a, an education course. Uh, and at the same time, he was saying, well, you know, I've got 43% of the shares. I can do the hell what I want. Um, and there was clearly opposition to him. So he's also a friend of our former chum, Lee Power of Swindon Town. Ah. So Lee Power, again, an owner that, that won't be is not remembered with fondness at his club. So, uh, you know, Andrew Curran, you know, well, we we never met the guy, we never had a conversation with the guy, but um, you, you, you often say, well, you know, you you have an opinion of a person by the company that he or she keeps, and um, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. So, so that's where we are with Rochdale. Um, the, the full judgment, I think, is due out. You know, so we are recording this on the Monday. I suspect the full judgment will have been published by the time that we go to uh, to broadcast. But I, I don't think there'll be a huge amount of detail that we've not covered here. 
Yeah, now some people may have noticed, Kieran, you did inadvertently refer to Rochdale as Oldham during that thing. Which oh, Lordy. Which, which you, you'll get away with, that's fine, because you're based in the Northwest and everyone knows your love of the Northwest. If I, on the other hand, had accidentally said Oldham instead of Rochdale, we'd be getting the usual tweet saying, oh, cockney bastard, doesn't know one end of the country from another, he thinks York's in Derby. No, uh, Oldham and Rochdale are separate places, let's establish that, Kieran. Um, and I'm just interested to know, when you get a text from the Prowler, uh, does he sign it the Prowler? Oh, Yes. Yeah. Oh, he does. He signs it the Prowler. That's nice. Oh, oh he, he, everybody knows him as the Prowler. He, even his wife calls him the Prowler, but she doesn't know why he's known <laughs> as the Prowler, which is perhaps just as well. I don't know how long they've been married, but you'd think by now it would at least be Prowler. you think she could drop the the. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Surely, like in, in France, you go vu, vu and tu. Surely you can just Prowler. Oh, Prowler's home. Hello, Prowler. Not the Prowler. It says... Um, I hate reading this out, Kieran, because it's been on the cards for some time, and I know two fans of this club that we've been predicting problems for Southend United for quite some time, and it's a very bad news coming out of there this week. Yes, uh, to no great surprise, um, HMRC have now petitioned via a winding up order uh, as far as Southend United is concerned. Um, so the court petition is due to be heard on the 9th of November. Now, we did speak about Southend a couple of weeks ago. And unfortunately, the club ticks an awful lot of, of red flags. It doesn't publish its accounts. It gets behind it uh, with HMRC um, and doesn't keep to the agreed plan. And as a consequence, you know, H- HMRC, they're not unreasonable, but if you agree a plan with them, do your best to stick to it. So the South End owner, Ron Martin, has said, well, we're not that far behind and is claiming that uh, the club will have bridging finance. Well, if, if you've got bridging finance, just go and pay the, just go and pay the bill mm. and, and then, then the problem is sorted. Um, but it, it's happening on a regular basis. Now, you know, my understanding from... Um, sources close to Southend um, is that that Ron Martin isn't necessarily what we would call a wrong'un, but he's the type of bloke that takes nobody's advice and always knows best. And 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 the problem here is that he's in you know he via the club is being is having to be uh, incur significant legal costs on top of the unpaid tax, on top of the interest potentially and all of this. So it's running up additional costs uh, as far as the club is concerned. And there's always a danger that historically he sort of you know, left it to the last minute, um, turns up on the day or the day before the, the court case is due to take place with a check, smiles and says nothing to worry about. And then it happens again. And if this happens on a regular basis, it's it's a bit like you know, some of my students that keep on handing in assignments late. You know that there's, there's probably more going on than you'd like to or that you'd like to find out. Well, we we have said this before, Kieran, and because of the industry I'm in, and particularly in recent years with the impact of COVID, that I, I've always found HM revenue and customers perfectly reasonable. Well, apart from one woman in Sutton, she was a nightmare, but. Um, I've I've already found them perfectly reasonable, and they understand 
if you if you're struggling to find the money or you're a week behind finding the money but you're telling them that you're finding the money they're fine with that i can't imagine them being fine with somebody who who appears to be able to pay but doesn't because like you say mm. he's, he's been playing this brinkmanship game for quite some time now and in the end it, surely he must realize that the real true power lies with them because in the end it's quite easy for them to go you've done it once too often we're not doing it again yeah yeah i, I agree with you entirely um and it, it it's not a game that they you, know, you that, and that's but sometimes people see it as as a bit of fun and, and the staff are nervous you know there's been issues in ter- terms of staff and payments the fans are very concerned so the Shrimpers Trust, which is the, effectively the supporters group, has said, in their opinion, Ron Martin's not a fit and proper person. But there's nothing that the National League can do. And I don't think there's anything that the EFL would be able to do, given that he was already the club owner. So uh, it, it's it leaves everybody, you know, all, all of those people for whom Southend United is a huge part of their lives. It, it means that they're they're going to bed squeaky bum time. And, you know, we both have been there. We are with both Brighton and Palace. And I remember what it was like. And, and it was miserable. It was absolutely miserable. And you've had similar issues at Palace with, with owners and rogues and so on. And and people say, well, we all rally around together and you'll go and fight a course. You do that, but you're still, you're still doing it with, with an element of fear. Terror is the word I would use, Kieran. Um, it's happening to another club further down the pyramid. And one regrets to say this Kieran but one suspects that it's probably going to be terminal for this club yes so so this is this is Staines Town now you know Staines Town sort of eight ten years ago we're getting crowds of three thousand you know turning up at uh, at Wheat Chief Park the club was formed in 1892 130 years of of history and memories and shared experiences and all the stuff we talk about as, as football fans um, but things started to go bad uh, a, a few years ago. The club was was acquired by uh, Paul Szczynski and and a guy called Joe Dixon, and he fell out with the um, with the owners or with the owners of the ground. That's and, it's, and we've always said if if football crowd if football clubs are separated from the the stadium it doesn't guarantee a problem but it can certainly increase the likelihood of problems mm. so so what happened here was that he fell out with the uh with, with the landlords and originally it was Sheffield United for somehow with the landlords and they sold it on to another party then there was a very very bizarre rant on the on the club's website uh, a good few months ago, with all types of allegations against the landlords, all, which seemed to be complete nonsense. And I'm I'm not a fa- fa- fan necessarily of investment partner groups, but this was clearly uh, with with zero uh, evidential support. So Joe Dixon then started to act in a, I think it's fair to say a, a slightly unusual manner. He he offered uh, you know. Uh, Stainstown had a terrible was was ended up having terrible results because they could, couldn't afford the players. They tried playing at Wealdstone. Um, he he tried to have something called the Travellers Community Cup taking place 
uh, at the home ground where half the car park was planned to be given away to caravans and horses to encourage travellers to, to buy. Now, you know, there's a case for saying, well, hold on, you know, is this being innovative? But, uh, you know, tra- travellers are sure interested in football and, and they might want to have. I, I'd imagine it would be uh, quite a feisty match or, or, or taking place. But that didn't work. And then what's happened to Joe Dixon is it's it's quite difficult to work out. So we now have the position where there is a winding up order at the club. Um, Joe Dixon, people can't access him because he's changed his number. He's resigned as a director of the club. He's shut down the club website. The club appears to be owned by a guy called Antonio Silva. Uh, Antonio Silva has given, as he's addressed, the British Virgin Islands. Now, yeah. that's in not you know, it, red flag after red flag after red flag. And when you do what little uh, detective work you can do in respect of British Virgin Islands addresses, by a, an amazing coincidence, it's the identical address to Joe Dixon's own company. Yeah. So it, it just, it, it does look curtains um, and there's, there's no joy because it doesn't matter what, what stage of football you're at, um, it's your club and it's being destroyed by people who clearly don't have any love for Stainstown. Yeah. Uh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm sure some of the Travellers' games wouldn't be feisty, Kieran. They're not, not necessarily all feisty, I imagine. A very good friend of mine is married to somebody from the uh, travelling community. She's not at all feisty. She's talkative, <laughs> but not feisty. Um, <laughs> I, was, it, was it Stains, Kieran, that claimed at one stage they only own two-thirds of their pitch. I so, think so, yes. Yeah, that was part it's, of that bizarre... I I, I, I hesitate, because it sounds like gloom tourism, I hesitate to tell people to go and search for that tweet, but I think it seemed that the writing was on the wall, unfortunately, for Stainstown there. And we can't stress this enough, Kieran. There might only be 300 season ticket holders at Staines. It might have been less. But for those people, their club was as important to them. The away games... The home games, the hours in the pub and the clubhouse beforehand, just as important as Palace are to me and Brighton are to you and Man United are to, to, to Guy Kilty. So those people who go, oh, it's just Stainstown, don't understand it because, no. you know, it, it's, it, it can happen to bigger clubs. It's, it's, you know, people can't be allowed to have the future, the emotional future of football fans in their wrong, wrong hands. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ah, mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. 
That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought-after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. A club in safer hands, Kieran, have published their accounts, I believe, just today. Yes, this is uh, this is Norwich City. I've got to say that they've they've done a pretty fantastic job as well in terms of um, Norwich City has a lot of yeah clearly it, it, yeah, it's majority owned by by Delia Smith and, and her husband, um, but that there's lots of individual shareholders as well. And I, I've been onto the Norwich message board just to just to check their views, and, and they've said, well, you know. The, the club has the club's gone all in in terms of giving them a glossy seventy six page comprehensive, uh, very transparent set of of results. Um, so, so yeah, that 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 is a positive. And on the face of it, you might say, well, okay, so once we do get to the numbers, Norwich City just being promoted to the Premier League, expect those numbers to be looking good because it's it's a non COVID year. And then, well, actually, they lost over. Well, they lost almost half a million pounds a week. And you go, oh, hold on, this is the Premier League. Yeah. And you've just been promoted. How on earth can that be the case? Um, I think it's it's fair to say that you know, Nor- Norwich are very much the poster boys for um, Yo-Yo Club FC, uh, as, as far as football is concerned between the Premier League and the Championship. The previous time they were promoted, they, they effectively took an air shot with regards to trying to stay in the Premier League didn't sign any players, um, were relegated with with a fair amount of time in advance. Um, but in 21-22, they made much more of a fist of it in terms of what they ended up spending. So they, they did spend £48 million on signing players. They didn't sell any players during the course of the financial year. Um, and their wage bill absolutely rocketed. Their, their, their wage bill... And they're only the second club to publish for the 22. Their wage bill w- was higher than eight clubs in wow. the Premier League in the previous season, you know, including Leeds, Southampton, Fulham and Brighton. So you know, yeah. they, they clearly they clearly went for it. Um, so the club can't be faulted on, on a quantitative basis. But you know, when you're spending money, there's two elements. There's, there's spending it and they're spending it wisely. And in terms of recruiting the players who could keep them in the Premier League. Sadly, you know, from, from their perspective, that they weren't able to achieve that. Um, you know, their owners are not independently wealthy, so they're not in a position to put money in. But they have had an American investor come in since the end of the year who has brought a, a proportion of the club and has also put in £10 million himself. So, yeah, we often talk about the the growing influence of American owners, and, and this would appear to be potentially the case as far as Norwich are concerned themselves. It, it's a sad fact of football reality, Kieran, when it comes to finance, because you know, Delia and her husband are, by most people's standards, independently wealthy. In, yes, in, just in, in normal in normal life, just in everyday life, they are wealthy people. But in football terms, in Premier League Championship terms. They're, they're not. They're not dining at the same table. It's, 
that's again, that's another consistent worry, isn't it? Y- yes, because you know, we again, we, we, we are old men, we've got the first to admit it, but we grew up in an era where football clubs were community based in the sense that they were tended to be owned by a bloke in a first in it, you know, with a sheepskin jacket with a big cigar and a hat who who had earned his money from some form of local business. Um, and I think, you know, Delia is is one of the very few remaining uh, people in, in that particular sphere. But we are now operating in, in a global uh, investment market. And uh, as, as you rightly say, what we would consider to be you know, amazing wealth because of her successful career um, is uh, is small fry by Premier League standards. I think we should refer to ourselves as older men, Kieran. Not, not, not old. Not older. Let's go for older. Yeah, we. When I grew up, we were Palace were owned by Raymond Bloy, who, classic local boy, made good. Who was the accountant to uh, South London's largest chain of butchers? Because uh, you know, <laughs> in those days, programs gave you that sort of detail. They told you where referees were from. Uh, so I, I remember him. <laughs> they had imposed with doing something that looked like accountancy. He was like doing adding up some sums in his head next door to half a dead cow, which is like just to underline <laughs> just to underline what his job was. Like just stand next to that carcass, Ray, and think about numbers. Lovely. That'll look great in the programme against Luton Town on Saturday. Um, two big stories from London clubs, Kieran. Mm. Uh, both involving the owners. Um the the Tottenham one first is probably more interesting. Yes. So so this is something which came through two companies' house a couple of days ago. Um, Spurs are owned by a company called Enic, the I think it's the English National Investment Corporation or company. Um, and Enic is owned by uh, mainly by, by Joe Lewis, but also by, by Daniel Levy. Uh, those are the two biggest shareholders. Um, and Joe Lewis... Lives in the Bahamas. He's 85 years old. He goes to matches occasionally. But by all accounts, he watches every match from the Bahamas. And yeah, I, you, you can perhaps see see the benefits in doing that. Because if anybody's ever tried to park uh, to get a, get to get to a match at Spurs or or use the uh, or use the tube, it's it's not not an easy uh, experience. Um, but uh, he is no longer in control. Um, and it looks like all of his shares, and I think he's, he owns about 60% of the shares, it looks like all of his shares have been transferred to two other people in the Bahamas. And it, again, it, it looks as if they are together um, uh, in charge of a trust on behalf of Joe Lewis. Now, this could be part of succession planning. Uh, you know, I... I, I Wish Joe, Joe, Joe Lewis a, a, a long and healthy life, but he is eighty-five, so it could be part of you know he's looking to to move things on should you know should the worst occur. Um, but what the purpose of the trust is? Would the trust be more willing to sell the shares in uh, Spurs? What is the reaction? Normally, trusts are set up you know, on behalf of children. You know, are the children as devoted a fans as, as Joe Lewis, we'll have to wait and see. And certainly what we have seen over the course of um, the last few years, Spurs have been mentioned um, as a potential sale club. 
and they would be incredibly attractive to, uh, in, in my view, to American owners because they, they tick all the boxes. A, they're Premier League. B, they're London. C, they've got a new stadium. Uh, D, Champions League. And then E, NFL. So you put all of those uh, together. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would imagine that there would be a lot of interest depending upon what the purpose of the trust is. You've, you've put into my head a very pleasing image, Kieran, of the American billionaire in the Bahamas being offered a chance to go and see Tottenham play and going, what? With the, with the 10-minute walk from the tube? Are you kidding? You can't, <laughs> you can't pack. It's a terrible accent, but just the idea that the US billionaire in the Bahamas is going, no, I can't. I don't think I can manage to walk anymore. It's a long way from the States. <laughs> I imagine he gets dropped off at the door, Kieran, doesn't he? If you own the, I'd, I'd be really cross if I owned Palace and I didn't get dropped off at the door. It's the, the, least, the least Steve Parrish would expect so people can see him get out of his lovely car or off his motorbike. Um, the Chelsea news story, uh, which I've given away, is less of a story and more the owner of the club saying, wow, I could make some money out of this. Yes. Um, so this is... Uh... Jose E. Felicciano, who has said um, he thinks that it is not unreasonable for Chelsea to be able to generate £1 billion a year in revenue. Now, Chelsea have never made more than £450 million. So how are they going to double the income of Chelsea? And Clearly, they, they do have plans because you know, when, when the Chelsea deal was going through and you know, everybody was saying, well, the asking price is two and a half billion, somebody's going to pay two and a half billion. I, 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 I crunched the numbers in, in a ridiculous number of spreadsheets and every time it came out, Chelsea's not worth that. Wow. Well, Chelsea, in, in, as Chelsea as we know it, is not worth it. So uh, it looks like Feliciano... Uh, Todd Bowley, Clear Lake, they have ideas for football. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that some of those ideas initially have got have been treated with a degree of scepticism, if not guffawing, um, from, <laughs> from fans such as you or I. But we're not the future. You know, and uh, sort of tying into one of our earlier stories in respect of um, you know this this meaningful competition in the Premier League. If if a meaningful competition in the Premier League with preseason training sessions, which which are friendlies in effect, we both know that. If that is successful, well, we've just been talking about Spurs and the NFL coming to to London. What about the Premier League going to New York and Chicago with you know with with a with a series of matches? Um, yeah, and that, and we we're familiar with the 39th game when that was pro, uh, promoted a few years ago, and again that that was knocked back fairly swiftly in terms of a reaction from a fan base. But sometimes the owners aren't actually that bothered about the reaction from the fan base. So the the only way that Chelsea can hit this target of a billion pounds, yes, there is talk about expanding Stamford Bridge. If you, even if you expand it from 41,000 to, to 50,000, it's still closed 330 days a year. So it's, it's, not, it's not a huge revenue earner. TV deals are centrally organized, although, again, 
there's talk about the the blackout going in the EFL. Now, if the if the three p.m. Saturday blackout goes in the EFL, you can bet your bottom dollar that the Premier League clubs will be saying, "Well, let's do the same." And then, what's going to happen to those three p.m. Saturday rights? Because I would imagine some of those clubs would like to sell the rights themselves direct to fans. And then you start to see the numbers multiplying quite quickly. Well, there's two things there, Kieran. There's been a couple of journalists recently, apart from David Ornstein today, there's been a couple of other journalists say that the Premier League haven't given up the idea of uh, something similar to the 39th game, or the Premier League game perhaps taking place outside of England, but saying it wouldn't be a game of any significance, which is a lie, you'd imagine, because... No one's going to in New York is going to go and watch Palace Southampton to see who finishes twelfth and mm. who finishes thirteenth. But it's that over the course of the last six weeks, and it's not out of nowhere. But I've seen more and more references in from serious journalists and from people in the game that the only real way for clubs like Chelsea to make this sort of money is to be in control of their own broadcasting, to control their own streaming rights. And I'm I'm just worried that. It's a sort of idea. It's almost like we're being drip-fed this idea that, that it's going to take traction over the next over the next year or so. You, am I right to be worried? I, I think I think you're right to be worried as a Palace fan. I think you're right to be worried as a fan of anybody other than the the big six clubs. There's no doubt that they would like to take control. Now we're aware that under Premier League rules that in order for a, a change to take place, there has to be 14 votes. Mm. Um, there would be very big winners and some quite significant losers if if there was a shift towards selling your own rights and keeping all the money. Um, the, the element of competitive balance that exists in the Premier League at present um, would be lost altogether. And then what would you end up with? Because... Uh, you know, we when 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 you, were, you know, when our clubs play Chelsea or Liverpool, we we go in hope rather than expectation of a result. But there is still some hope mm. if you change things such around that they're getting first of all huge sums of money from the revamped Champions League, which they will do, plus their own streaming rights. Then the the gap between the big six and the other clubs, and that gap is presently three hundred million pounds a year in yeah. terms of revenue. It's already a huge gap. Is going to get bigger, and then I think we're going to have problems. Equally, you could say, well, you know, Chelsea can only play eleven players at one time, so they're, they're, yeah, will there still be players available to to Brighton and Palace and you know Villa and? Uh, leads and so on. Yes, there will. But I think the ability of the other 14 clubs in the Premier League to to make the Premier League a really attractive competition because Palace, Brighton, Leeds, Villa, Newcastle, even before the takeover, they could they could outbid everybody who was seventh in Belgium or Spain or Italy because of the success of the Premier League. If you move to everybody keeping selling their own rights and keeping their own rights, then I think the ability of the mid-tier teams to attract talented players from overseas, pay them the, the wages which are being paid, that goes. 
And that's going to, to further reduce the quality of the Premier League and also the competitiveness of the competition. Uh, looks like Lionel Messi might be having to buy himself a new suit, Kieran. <laughs> yes. Um, this, is, this is a really weird one. Um, his transfer to PSG is going to be potentially heard in court due to a claim made by Barcelona fans living in Lyon in France. Wow. So um, they are claiming that uh, PSG have paid Lionel Messi so much money that uh, PSG will be in breach of financial fair play rules under UEFA and therefore that uh, Lionel Messi's transfer should be made null and void. And in, in their eyes, this would allow him to return to Barcelona, who uh, who are just about to be knocked out of the Champions League. Yeah. So they probably won't be able to afford his shoelaces, let alone his wages. Yeah, interesting. Um, and talking to Barcelona, Kieran, <laughs> I, I, again, this is one of the things I didn't think I'd ever be talking about when we started this pod, but <laughs> there could be some industrial action going on in that league. Yes. So, um, you know, we, what we might think that football is a basket case back home at times but La Liga is uh, it's really kicking off Um, Barcelona and Real Madrid have come out uh, in their AGMs and in their interviews with newspapers and radio shows in the past two or three weeks and they've been going Super League is the saviour of football Super League is absolutely fantastic Super League is absolutely fantastic for Barcelona and Real Madrid nobody's denying that but um, the other clubs in La Liga are saying, well, hold on, what about us? Because at present, there's, of course, there's four clubs in Spain that qualify for the, uh, qualify for the Champions League. If uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid go to the Super League, yes, Atletico are likely to go with them. But, you know, the likes of Villarreal, Celta Vigo and so on, who, uh, who have qualified for uh, European competition, they, they will be in a much weaker position. And also, um, the value of the La Liga TV rights is likely to fall if all of the focus in European football is going to be on Super League. So, um, La Liga clubs are considering going on strike because Barcelona and Real Madrid have been lobbying. And uh, you know, I'm aware of lot since since starting this show. I'm just aware of the amount of lobbying that is done by senior people in football to government. Um, and it's exactly the same in Spain. Now, the Spanish government, when um, when the Super League was announced, effectively took a, a broadly similar position to that of the UK government, which was, you know, we, can, we are opposed to this. Um, and uh, I think the, the then Prime Minister of the UK said, you know, we have the nuclear option of banning clubs from playing in England. If if we if you go ahead with this, so this was quite a severe thing. There was uh, there was hostility uh, from the Spanish government, but the that appears to have evaporated due to the the silver tongued uh, persuasiveness of Barcelona and Real Madrid. So the remaining Liga clubs, and I think including Tebas, and, and Tebas is is no stranger to having a snipe at anybody and everybody, um, are now saying, well, if 
if you are going to go down that particular route, then we're not quite sure whether we want to play with you under those circumstances. So we, we, we reserve the right to withdraw Labour. Part of me, I have to say, Kieran, for comedy reasons, would like to see football clubs go on strike just to see whether the government call in the army, which <laughs> traditionally in the comedy world, that's what ballet, ballet dancers are going on strike. Well, they'll have to call in the army, won't they? But um, I'd like to see 11 football. Well, if Celta Vigo won't play, we'll, we'll get the local regiment in. Um, an interesting one. Thanks to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, go to patreon.com slash price of football. And if you need any more encouragement, uh, uh, it's, we are a nominate, nominated pod, Kieran. We got delighted to discover today that we've been nominated for the Football Supporters Association Annual Awards in the Best Podcast category, uh, where we will inevitably be beaten by The Guardian and Barry Glendinning will phone us up and be chippy about it. Um, our next live show will take place at Plymouth Argyle's Home Park on Tuesday the 13th of December. Still a couple of tickets available from Plymouth Argyle's website. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, as always, thank you very much. And, and whoever's nominated us uh, in the uh, FSA Award, th- thank you very much for that as well. We're, we're genuinely chuffed. Yeah. Um, we, we, uh, we, we, we go in hope, not expectation. Um, but if you'd like to vote for us, if you go to uh, the Football Supporters Association, yeah, there's, there's a variety of... Uh, of nominations for a variety of uh, awards uh, and there's some absolutely fantastic people up there as well so it's well worth a look at um that that's that's that'll be a fantastic way of supporting the show as is patreon um and another way of doing that is is to give us some positive karma using using a rap if you can uh, if you can give us uh, a few stars uh, yeah as many as five and um, that's that's absolutely fantastic. It helps us in the charts, helps us with the algorithms, helps us with credibility in in terms of uh, booking guests and, and miles from Sports Interactive last week was absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, it, it, by all accounts, it's the stars that matter, not the comment. So you could say you would rather have the show presented by Clyde Best and Rose West, and it wouldn't make a blind <laughs> bit of difference to me or Kevin. Do you know what? Astonishingly, that's the second time that Clyde Best's name has come up today in the conversation. Um, really? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. I, I, the circumstances are too long to explain here, but I, I will simply close, Kieran, that uh, we do go in hope more than expectation. I go in the hope of a free bottle of wine and the expectation that I'll get your free bottle of wine as well. So, <laughs> bye, everybody. Bye. I'm for the